Hello, this is Brittany Ross from Fiddle and Pipe. I'm sure most of y'all are aware of the ongoing war in Ukraine. You will see in the show notes that we have listed several organizations to help the Ukrainian people. To, if you would like to help out and contribute, please check out those show notes. And for the month of March, we will be donating 100% of our proceeds on Patreon to the International Committee of the Red Cross, which if you want to join us on Patreon, you can find us on patreon.com slash fiddleandpipe. We hope you'll either support us on Patreon as we donate to the International Committee of the Red Cross or check out the show notes and pick an organization that you would like to donate to. Thanks, and now back to the episode. Hi, I'm Brittany Ross, and I play the fiddle. I'm Catherine Flincham, and I play the pipe. And together, we are Fiddle and Pipe. Two classical musicians who are reading and discussing topics beyond the staff. So grab a book, take a seat, and tune in. All right. Well, are we all recording? We're all good? Yeah. And I'm just... Cool. Don't touch your microphone, Catherine. I'm still recording. Yes. Good. We're good. We're good. Same. All right. Well, we should probably get started, so... Welcome to Fiddle and Pipe, where we have daily, weekly technology issues. Of course. And today we are joined by Rainer Slay, vocalist Hi. of Concrete Supergun. <laughs> Actually remembering to introduce you this time. Hey guys. <laughs> Glad to be back. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so go ahead. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I'm just a little bit out of it today, to be really honest. It's been a long day, and it's only 11 o'clock here, so. Do you think maybe that that's your perception of the day? Yeah, because it's a really long day that I have today. And then tomorrow is a really long day for me as well. Because I know that I have these things happening all day today and tomorrow, personally, I feel a little drained. And a little exhausted, which kind of relates to what was being read for this week, I guess. I was going to say, have you thought about challenging your perceptions? Yeah. No, I have. I have. I'm (laughs) trying. It's just really hard. I think it's just because I'm so used to being in the habit of thinking, I have a long day. I have to do this, 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 and this. Everything's back to back. It just feels like a lot and overwhelming and kind of like this is never going to end and when can I have a break? I know that there is like a small period of time where I do have a break, but I think because I've been so used to being busy and frantic all the time, it doesn't really feel that way. No, I I mean, I felt that too. So the part of the book that we're covering today is life back one through three. So the first two-thirds of the book basically talk about what our societal and individual issues are with time management and our perceptions of overworking and why we feel inclined to do so. Before part two, it says leaving the cult, how to go from life hack to life back. It felt like it was like a 180 compared to the first half, it seems like. It's a lot shorter and a little bit more refreshing to read mm-hmm. because I feel like the first nine chapters were very 
heavy full of content and why we're this way and it just felt like a lot to take in in a small period of time so reading this side feels a little bit nicer yeah she talks about time perception and i think that's where she was talking about like journaling and like keep track mm-hmm. of everything you do during a day and you may realize well it seems like i'm like super crazy busy but actually i do have you know, this amount of time here and this amount of time here and I'm spending whatever, an hour and a half scrolling through social media. This is very similar to something I used to do with my clients when I was a personal trainer. I would have them keep a food journal and I'd be like, one of the reasons you're probably not losing weight is because you don't realize how many extra calories throughout the day you're eating. You may, you think you're eating healthy but if you actually write down everything that goes in your mouth, you realize, holy smokes, there, here's 500 extra calories that I didn't even think about. It just mm-hmm. slipped out of my mind because it's just something I'm used to eating all the time. And I think this is very similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like this is the self-help section of the self-help book. Yes. It is. Everything before this was why we are the way we are and why things are the, why things are the way they are. And this is like, all right. Let's change it. And here's how yeah. you do that. Hey, Valkyrie, I really need you to chill. You are not the main character. I know your perception is that your life is awful because I'm not paying attention to you right this second, but it's okay. It's like your kid. <laughs> She's like, please, my life is hell. Yeah, we aren't aware of where our time is going because we just mindlessly spend it regardless of if we're actually working or if we're at leisure and her solution to this is literally to track your time you literally keep a diary of how you spend your time to see where your time goes i felt like this was a little neurotic (laughs) but probably not a bad idea to be honest no i don't think so either and i think when i i want to say this kind of related to the last three chapters like I think when she was talking about something about like looking at the clock or something, like she covered the clock on her laptop with a post-it note or something like that. So she would like focus more and not focus on time. That kind of reminded me like this little section did because I started trying this out over the last few days, like not looking at my clock and staying focused and kind of tracking like what I'm doing. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, it really helped. I tried it a little bit more yesterday and I felt productive. Like I had work to do all day, but I had like free time in between to kind of like rest. That way when I got back to my work, I was a lot more focused and productive. So I don't know. It it was really kind of neat to try this out. Yeah. That's the big thing she talks about, I think in a later chapter, so we can discuss it when we get there. But the idea of, working, taking break, working, taking a break, instead of just trying to power through for three, four or five hours, whatever. Yeah. You're more productive if you can break it up into chunks and, Mm -hmm. you know, come back from each break a little refreshed. I'm so used to just like looking at work and being like, okay, I need to get like the first like four hours of my day. I need to like get this kind of work done. And then that way I have like some free time at the end of the day, like this whole chunk of free time until I go to sleep. But I've noticed that that's really unproductive for me, and I tend to stress myself out a lot. And so, I don't know, yesterday I worked, I taught some kids that were super hyperactive, and I did not like it at all. So to kind of relieve my stress and not go back to work right when I got home, I just took a walk 
and it was really nice. It was really refreshing. And then when I got back into it, I was like, okay, like, why don't I do this more often? I have the flexibility in my schedule to do this. Why am I chunking everything at the beginning of my day and stressing myself out the entire way through and not being as productive or focused like I could be if I split it up? And I find that whenever I tend to get very caught up in, oh, I only have X amount of time to get all these things done, I tend to overestimate how much I do. And then I also, it procrastinates me actually starting the tasks. And then I almost look for excuses not to do them. I'm like, oh, I suddenly need to do the dishes. Like it's very imperative that I need to do the dishes or something instead of actually doing it. Yesterday I sat down and edited and it took me significantly less time than I usually do because whenever I felt my attention kind of waning, I would get up and do something for a few minutes. I would play with the dog. I would hang out with the cats. No one was home, so I was kind of limited in the stuff that I could do. (laughs) And the weather was gross, but it was just nice to not really think about it for a few minutes and kind of give myself a mental refresher and then go back to the thing that I should be doing. I think doing that makes you way more efficient. I mean, obviously, I don't know how efficient you could be at washing the dishes, but a lot of times with work, if you will do something like that where it's like, okay, I'm going to focus for whatever, 45 minutes. After that, you start getting mentally distracted and think about other things and you're, whatever you're doing, it's not nearly as efficient as it could be. Mm -hmm. So taking that break is actually better for your work as opposed to continuing to work and having, you know, bad performance or something like that. And I feel like it's harder when you work from home. Like I'd probably say... Mm -hmm. 80% of what I do is working from home. I usually record at home this podcast and then all my teaching is done at home. Basically the stuff I don't do at home are gigs or clinicianing and I'm pretty on topic during those things because I have to be. I'm in Mm -hmm. front of a group of people and I need to be pretty on track. But I find when I'm at home, it's very easy to get distracted with oh, I need to do chores. Oh, I should probably exercise. Oh, you know, the animals need to be taken care of. The house needs to be picked up. All this stuff that needs to do kind of seeps into my work life. And then I do neither effectively. I don't really do household stuff effectively or work stuff effectively. And then I end whatever amount of time I have feeling like I didn't get very much done. Mm -hmm. I think I gained more of that kind of habit when we started working more from home at the beginning of 2020. I thought you were going to say wait. And I was like, you look great. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) I'm confused. Wait, what did I say? I don't know. You said, I think I gained more of that habit. And I thought you were going to say you gained more weight. Oh. Yeah. First, I I thought you meant W-A-I-T weight. I was confused about that. (laughs) I'm just a dummy. It's okay. (laughs) No, I... I'm here. I'm I'm here. My brain's just there. But it's hard to stay concentrated here at home because I get into the habit of I can sit on the couch and do work and then I get comfy on the couch and then I want to pet my cat who's like cuddling with me and I want to watch TV and I'm just like, I don't want to do any of this work. It's I I gained a lot of that habit getting distracted with the beginning of the pandemic because I was working from home a lot. And now that we are out and about and things are open, I'm not going out and getting work done because I used to, in the past, go to coffee shops and get work done. And it was really helpful because I would sit down if I had to get something super focused, like 
editing my website. I could easily go to a coffee shop, sit down, have a cup of coffee, and focus on that for like a solid hour, no problem. But hmm. now I don't really want to go out to a coffee shop because then I wake up and I'm like, oh, it's 30 degrees outside and snowing. Like today, I don't want to go out. And so I stay home. And it's just become this common habit, even when it's not snowing. It's just like, well, why do I need to go to a coffee shop when I have a coffee maker here, you know? And I can do the same thing here like I would over there. It's just, yeah, I don't know. I never really (sighs) thought of taking my homework, not like chores around the house, but the work that I do for my career at home and putting it in a different environment to see if I would be more productive. I know coffee shops are good for that. And I also know there's a lot of breweries near us that are like, hey, come have a beer and do your work. And I never actually thought of doing that, but maybe that's something. I've seen people at breweries here. I've seen people at Woody's Bar bring their laptops and do work and they have their laptops and they're just chilling. Like, I don't know if you guys ever, I've seen this before. I don't know if this is like a common thing right now, because of the pandemic but I've seen there are types of businesses that provide like a communal workspace I don't really know the technical term but I've seen this before where a company will like rent out a space in a building somewhere and if you like pay like a fee like a membership fee or something like that you can go to that workspace and like if you're like a freelancer or like owner of some sort you can go to that workspace and meet other people who are kind of in the same boat as you it's kind of like a gym membership sort of except instead of going to work out you like rent like a cubicle space or something Hmm. yeah so you go plug in you got a desk and your you know your whole thing and you can do your work but there are other people there working you know for completely different jobs different companies yeah just need a space to go and i try to like find one here in denver because i was interested in that before the pandemic and i thought that would be really neat to kind of like look into and there's not <laughs> and I was kind of sad about that I was like, damn <laughs> but I mean I think that's really cool if we had more of that too because I mean as a barista as much as I love making lattes and seeing people and being social with people there are some times where there are some people that come into a coffee shop at the very very beginning of the day when we open and they stay all the way until we close And all they do is sit there with, like, sometimes they get just a cup of coffee. Sometimes they just get one cup of coffee and stay there for five hours. That's insane. It's ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah, there kind of comes a point where you're, like, enroaching, I guess. Yeah. On the company's space. Probably. I guess. Right? Sort of like a common courtesy kind of thing where it's like. Oh, yeah. Oh. I remember in Bob's Burgers, there was one episode. <laughs> of course, we're going to Bob's, course, Burgers. Bob's Burgers. Always Bob's Burgers. There was one episode where a bunch of magicians came into town. And I'll send y'all the episode so that way y'all watch it. And Bob was like, I can draw a lot of business by advertising half off your meal. And three musicians came in and they split an order of fries and they were there for like three hours. And Bob was like, okay, if y'all aren't going to order anymore, you have to leave. And then they cursed him. Literally cursed him. Literally cursed him. I've I've had people do that. Like we've had groups curse of you? his not curse. <laughs> I've had people give me attitude because we're next to a college campus, so we see a lot of students come in, and and it's totally fine. We've had students come in and do 
study groups or whatnot. We have a conference room. People run out the conference room to get work done if there's like finals happening or whatnot. And so it's fine, but we've had groups come in where it's like six people. They take up two tables and only one person comes up and gets like a lemonade. And they stay there for like three hours. Mm -hmm. I sit there and I, I say to myself, we're not the library. And also at DU, the library there is fantastic. I'm going to say that when we went to KSU, that library was trash. It was from 1962, <laughs> and it smelled like 1962. And I'm sure there was – it's like the air was so musty in there. I was like, I hate this place. But the library at DU is fine. I don't even remember Kennesaw's library. <laughs> Did you ever go in? <laughs> Did you ever go in at all? There was an art gallery there, too, know. like, at the bot in the basement, which was, like, really random, which I thought was interesting. But anyway, but the library is so nice at DU, and I'm, and it, they have a coffee shop there. And I'm sitting there like, why aren't you going into the library and doing this crap? Why are you coming in our store, making a mess, and staying here until close, and you ordered one lemonade? Like, it's just kind of rude. And mm-hmm. I try to think about that when I go to coffee shops. Like, if I'm there for a while, and I used to do this when I was in, when I was living in Georgia, I would hang out at the Copper Coin forever. And I would constantly go up, though, and, like, buy things. Because I'd be like, oh, I want another cup of coffee, or I want to eat some food. You know what I mean? I was actually actively trying to buy stuff. But the only reason why I stayed that long was because I was doing work. I felt concentrated. I felt good. And I did that pretty frequently. I got a lot of work done there. Basically lived there. I think I've just been really hesitant about doing it, like going out to coffee shops and doing that because I've been a barista and I've experienced a lot of that crap. And so now I'm just kind of like, okay, I need to change something. And I want, I want to like kind of take myself out into the world and okay, like what happens if I do get some work done if I sit at a coffee shop for like an hour? max mm-hmm. and see what happens you know I think there's a lot of merit to changing your environment especially when you work from home there's a lot more distractions I know actually Dave and I had this conversation recently where he works four out of five days at his office and one day at home but he was like we need to do more chores and I was like yes we should and he's like you should do more because you're home more and I'm like eh, I'm working at home so it's like, where's the balance? That is, mm-hmm. I have been there. You're When you're at home, it doesn't feel like you're at work. It feels like you're at home. So yeah. mm-hmm. especially with me, like my computer setup is just in my dining room, which is connected to my kitchen. So if I have a few minutes, I'm just sitting there not doing anything and be like, I'm going to go get a snack. Yeah. And it's <laughs> like, oh God, I'm going to gain 400 pounds if I keep doing this. <laughs> Yeah, it's just about finding that balance. One solution that Celeste has is to, once you actually keep a diary of how you spend your time, you make a schedule on how you want your day to look like. And I remember I actually tried this in the late summer or early fall of 2021, and I found it really helpful. And I think the key is that it has to be a flexible schedule. I stopped doing it though. I I did it for a few weeks when I started doing deliveries because I was like, how do I manage my time? You know, cause I was a year of being underemployed because of COVID mm-hmm. and being a musician. And I was like, how do I suddenly manage all the work that I can do and draw boundaries? Because DoorDash and Uber Eats are one of those things where if you're willing to do the hustle, 
You can work as long as you want to. Oh my. She see something? Is there someone at the door? Know. She just she just ran to the door. It could be like Amazon or something. I'm not sure. Ew, you just rubbed all your snot on me. That was gross. Um Yum. No, but I think it was really time consuming to sit there and kind of play my days out. I would do it the night before for the next day. And I think I just kind of found it mentally exhausting. I'm someone who doesn't like having a routine or a schedule. So I think that kind of got to me after a while, but I would like to get some, get some aspects of that back into my life. I think it'd be really beneficial. I'm slowly getting back into this. I was really good about it when I was in school. I was really good about it when I was doing my master's because I was like, I'm, I'm in my master's now. I should be organized. I already like kind of plan out my day the night before. I think the one thing though that I struggle with is over scheduling myself on certain days. You know what I mean? I write out certain things and I think it's just based on the day. Mm -hmm. and what I can handle and in this book it was really structured where it was like 7 to 7 30 7 30 to like 8 30 and stuff I don't have it out like that as much with certain tasks I just like try to tell myself like get this done and then go to this so is it more like a to-do list with you sort of yeah kind of I guess like for me putting an exact time it gives me a little bit of stress seeing 8 to 8 30 that's very specific and I'm sitting there and I'm like what if that doesn't work out and I know that she says later on after the schedule like this is a very flexible schedule doesn't mean that you know she's only on social media for 30 minutes like there might be a day where she's on social media for 40 Mm -hmm. but when I see like a time mark and I'm like okay 9 to 9 30 and I look at that and I like read that in my planner my brain starts like freaking out and says like okay you have to have this amount of time only this and I think it's just a perfectionist quality that I may have and I'm trying to break out of but yeah Yeah. that's the only downside of the scheduling thing that she brought up that to me at least yeah I don't think that scheduling will work for everyone specifically but I think it's more about knowing realistically where your time is going and if Mm -hmm. you want your time to be going to those things or if you don't want your time to be going to those things and then kind of deciding your day off of those aspects i guess yeah i've lived pretty much my whole life the opposite of this like i don't think i could function if i made out a schedule or something for myself i have learned to kind of take advantage of something she talks about later in the book Uh, i think she calls it parkinson's law or something where work expands to fit the time that you allot to something. Mm -hmm. And so the reverse of that is true as well. If you constrict the amount of time you have to get something done, then you'll get it done in that amount of time. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that's why at school, I always wait to the last minute to do projects or write papers or anything. I'm like, well, I could spend (laughs) an entire week working on this thing, or I could get it done in two hours (laughs) right before I have to go to class. And I was always good about just getting it done, just squeezing it in there. Yeah. You have a nice. lot of bravery. <laughs> yeah, you and I are the same in that regard. I am a huge procrastinator and I do it to myself because I know I'm capable of doing the thing in less time than I'm allotted. Yeah. So that's actually why the 
the loose schedule actually worked out for me because if I sit down and I have an honest conversation with myself, I know the amount of time it takes to do a task. But if I'm just all like, I don't have a schedule, I can adhere to whatever, like I live most of my days, I tend to get less done. Mm -hmm. But then I get stressed out and in my head about the time. So I think it's about finding a balance. Yeah. For sure. I think knowing, like if you have something that has to be done by a certain time, then for me, like I said, I want a lot. Okay, this has to be done this time. So it means I have to work on it this amount of time beforehand or whatever. It's just like I can kind of mentally know, okay, it's got to be done at this time. I'll just work on it whenever and I know I can get it done by 8 p.m. or whatever it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I find that that helps me more too. I guess we can head on over to a life back too. Take media out of your social. Not much of a problem for me. No, me neither. And then this was just more or less about how to not compare ourselves to others and social media makes that an even bigger problem just because everything really hard. Everything's in your face. People only post the really good things. I guess I shouldn't say only because I have seen people who don't use social media in that. I have seen people who post bad news on it. But I say the grand majority of it, like, I don't really post very much on social media. There's a reason why Catherine is our social media manager. I will post a picture of trail running with my dog or David and I going and having a good time or a get together that I had with friends. I'm not going to post my day was so boring. I didn't get anything done. (laughs) Yeah, I think one thing to understand with social media, and it's something she says, is that what you're seeing of other people's lives is a very heavily curated, like, stay not not necessarily staged, but, like, they're only showing you, you know, the what best they want the best, you to see. What, you, what they want you to see. Diagram where you have the tip of the iceberg at top, and then, like, yeah. the whole giant chunk at the bottom. It's, like, yeah. the tip is what you see online, but the bottom of said. it is... <laughs> <laughs> the bottom is, like real shit you know yeah i definitely agree with that what she says how we kind of like look at instagram and we compare constantly i've done that before mm-hmm. i've done that before and i've been like wow i kind of suck as a person but i <laughs> you do not well i mean yeah what i've done to kind of stop that comparison is just kind of remind myself like it's just in your head mm-hmm. and what you're seeing online is not everything right it's kind of the same thing like sometimes like when i share things i'm not sharing everything i don't share everything behind my phone screen or whatnot because personally like it's not really anyone's business and i don't feel like i need to share every single detail to social media i don't mind being honest and open about certain things like I definitely don't mind. Like, for instance, I love Woody to death, but I don't post on social media every single time about me and Woody on my Instagram. Because a lot of Mm -hmm. the stuff I post on my profile is more flute things and stupid things. Like, I'll post him every now and then on a story or whatnot, but I'm not going out of my way to be like, this is my man, you know? (laughs) I freaking hate it when people come up to me and they're like, oh, are you and Woody still together? And I'm like, what makes you think that we're not? And they're like, oh, well, you never post about each other or together or whatnot. And I'm like, that doesn't matter. When did I need to show that I'm still with person? Why do I have to show that all the freaking time? 
you know? And Woody doesn't like being on social media. The only time he's ever on it is to, like, look at beer trades happening in Denver. And then, yeah, he watches a lot of Steel stuff. He'll be like, here, look at this Steel. And I'm like, I... What? <laughs> no, I get that, too. David got rid of his social medias, Instagram and Facebook, and he kept Reddit, and he kept Goodreads, because, you know, I'd be sad if he got rid of that. I want to see what he's reading, even though I live it with him. It would be a sad reads, not good reads. Even though you can look over on his night table and be like, oh, that's what he's reading. Yeah, basically. But <laughs> I kind of feel the same way. Like, I think I post a little bit more about my significant other than you do, but I'm still not like, this is my man. OMG, he's the best. Like, every day. No, there are people that do it way too much. Like, I'm yeah. telling you, I've seen a lot of that on Facebook, Instagram, I'm like, I get it. I totally, I, I get it. I get it. And maybe that's what people want to post. I, I, that's totally fine with them. But sometimes it just gets a little over the top. But well, also, if we were judging relationship based on social media, Rainer would be in a relationship with himself because <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't exist. You if, wouldn't exist. <laughs> if social media was required. Yeah, I, I've posted a few things for my band over the last week or so. But an actual like, personal social media post you took a really big step by having lauren teach you how to use instagram this week i saw a profile picture on your icon and i tagged you (laughs) too i was like instagram post i was like there's an icon i was like who is this person (laughs) yeah i I, I don't have any pictures of myself that i was like oh that looks good yeah i'm gonna put that out there to the world look at that stuff but i just found that Cool little like half brain, half heart symbol. It's like, all right, whatever. That's that metal enough. That's totally fine. <laughs> it was really funny because I was I was reading this chapter and I was thinking of myself and Rainer. I was like, Catherine's obviously gonna have the most to say about this. I was like, <laughs> I don't really do social media that much, but well, well, it's interesting though because as I was reading it, I like to think that I'm above comparing myself on social media. I'm really not on it that much, but I do get distracted by it. And I do know that if not used correctly, it can be a form of like toxicity. Yes. And how we can use it to just strictly communicate with people instead of actually talking to people in the real world. Not so much now, but I know in the past, I've definitely kind of fallen into some of those traps. I think everyone or most people kind of fall into a lot of these pitfalls of social media. And it sort of warps our reality in a way because again, people only post what they want you to see. I mean, look at Rainer, who has virtually no social media presence, except for his band. So the only thing that we would think about you is that you are a successful musician, you are driven, you are ambitious. I'm not saying that you're not those things, but that's that's the only thing that you let people see. So that's all that people yeah. will think about you. That is a a small part of Rainer as a whole. Yeah. It's not yeah. all of me by any means. Mm-hmm. My Instagram, I feel like, is just more flute-based. That is a significant part of who I am, but I feel like I'm more than just a flute player. I've definitely found myself in the past, for instance, when I first went on Instagram, it was just for fun. And then it kind of slowly turned into a flute page. And I realized when I was doing my masters, I would sit sometimes in the practice room just on my phone. And I would notice I was wasting more time being on my phone because I was followed a lot of flute players on my profile and so I would see all these incredible flutists playing things that 
I wanted to play or was currently playing and their playing was like phenomenal like they had really good technique their sound was amazing I would sit there and be like why do I sound like shit (laughs) why do Mm -hmm. I feel like shit you know and I would feel terrible and it would even come to the point where I would like talk to like flute players and get asked questions that made me feel like am I good enough to be a master's in music did I just get accepted because they needed somebody it does my degree matter do I matter in this and it really kind of got to be a lot and so I always like aimed for these perfect recordings on my posts to send and share on Instagram I would end up like recording like one excerpt that was maybe like four measures for maybe I would probably record the same excerpt 20 times and wait for the perfect one. And every time I recorded, it would just get constantly worse. I would just feel really shitty because even when I did share my playing, like I wouldn't get the feedback that I wish I would have, like someone else would. And I would feel terrible after that too. Like I would still feel crappy because I was like, well, this person, they get praised for everything and I share something that's really vulnerable and I get nothing. And I used to feel really shitty about myself a lot in that instance. And so as time has grown on and Instagram has gotten older and I have gotten older, I have just decided that like, I just try not to stress myself out so much on being on social media. Like I'm better at not comparing myself to people as much anymore, which I think is Mm -hmm. a good step because I just used to do it a lot. And I think part of it was my insecurities from the beginning of music school. So that was one thing. Now I'm okay sharing like things that are not perfect and not Instagrammable because that's basically real life. Instagram provides filters <laughs> and makes everything look awesome. And sometimes life is not so awesome. And sharing that is sometimes, I think, important to remind people, like even myself, mm-hmm. because I think a lot of people fall into this trap and we're on it all the time. What do you think the chances are that those flutists that you were? you know, looking at and being like, oh my gosh, they're so awesome. What do you think the chances are that they got that perfect recording on the very first time they did it? Yeah. I mean, same thing. I'm sure they took them 20 tries to get, you know, that one little snippet, but that's all you see. And so you think, oh my God, Mm -hmm. there's actually a a quote in the book here that relates to literally exactly what you just said. And it says, therapists will tell you that you cannot both strive to be perfect and enjoy good mental health. They Mm -hmm. are mutually exclusive. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much exactly what you were just saying. There's a reason why the the only violinist that I don't know in person that I follow is Hilary Hahn. I already know that I play like garbage compared to her, but also I don't care just because I love her and I love what she posts and not everything is, look how great I am. She's very honest with how she posts and does things. I've learned to use social media more for fun. And I think that's why I use it to network with people that I know because I've gotten gigs and students from Instagram and Facebook and such, but I don't want to open it and feel like trash. My Instagram is people that I know in person Mm -hmm. and Hilary Hahn and breweries. I like it that way. It's nice Mm -hmm. to not have everything be so serious I like not opening social media like Instagram and feeling like trash. 
I like seeing things that I want to see, I guess. And my Instagram, what I posted was very music related. Bartok, you're getting heavy. You're not even looking out the window anymore. What are you doing? You see this? He's like, I'm just hanging. (laughs) My Instagram used to be very music focused, I think until COVID. And then I realized I wasn't doing anything music related. So then I started posting pictures of, you know, my pets and the gardens that I keep trying to make unsuccessfully (laughs) (laughs) and other things. And it's kind of, I don't know, something that helped me realize that I was more than just a violinist was when I couldn't talk about violin. Didn't you mention this? Didn't you mention this earlier? Like, Probably have. I feel like Atomic Habits and Do Nothing have just like kind of bled in together like lately, so. They're really relatable. Hey, you look kind of peppy. I am peppy because I just drank a cup of coffee from La Belle Rosette Espresso and Wine Bar. That's in Denver, right? Yep, we are located right across the street from the University of Denver. And do they have more than just espresso and wine? Yeah, we have breakfast burritos, paninis, pastries, teas. We have a lot. If someone was walking through Denver, and let's say this person was me, and let's say I wanted a panini, when is LaBelle open so I can go and get one? We are open from 7 to 5, Monday through Friday, 7 to 2 on Saturdays, 8 to 2 on Sundays. And if you use the code FPPODCAST, you'll get 15% off your order, whether you're in-store or online at LaBelleRosette.com. That's a really good deal. Totally a good deal, and it's even a better deal when you get to see moi at the store. Is that a good deal? Uh, not really, but I actually need to head to work right now because I'm going to be late. Oh. So I'm going to go. Go to La Belle Rosette. Go. Bye. Right now. Drop <laughs> everything. Go. I did want to talk about the perfectionism in this chapter before we slip on to the next one. Hi, Bartok. She has this whole section on talking about perfectionism, especially in the youth and the the youngins. But you see this in schools. I mean, suicide rates are rising because kids are killing themselves because they can't hit the mark that we've set for them. And that's depressing. Schools Mm -hmm. are generating more anxiety and depression. She talks about standardized testing. I think it's really stupid. It takes time out of teaching, real stuff. It's high pressure. Teachers and parents put unnecessary pressure behind it. And we're just creating this whole warped reality. Students need to do more to stand out. They need to have full-time job and be a summer lifeguard and do all these classes and volunteer. Do community service. Do community service. And they have to have a 4.0. And then you take all AP classes. And it's just like, when do you have the time to be a kid? I felt a lot of this when I was growing up, to be very honest. And so did I. Honestly, it really made me angry. I think it's because I'm the oldest in my immediate family, but I'm younger. I'm like one of the youngest in like my mom and dad's side. Compared to your cousins, you mean? Yes. I feel like ever since I have hit a certain age, I've always been compared to what my cousins had done beforehand. And so, for instance, one of my cousins is a vocalist. She's And she's incredible. She's a jazz vocalist, and she's very successful. She is probably, like, the only person in my family other than myself that does music, which is really neat. But I just remember when I was 
applying to KSU and everything like that, I was still trying to discover what I was doing. I wasn't exactly sure if I wanted to do music. I mean, honestly, when I applied to KSU, I wasn't really like focused on what I wanted to do when I was growing up because I was really just focused in the moment. I wanted to, you know, finish school, like my senior year, somewhat in a happy place. (laughs) Enjoy like the, you know, the time that I had with my friends and make the best out of everything. I remember Mm -hmm. like I did work and everything, but I remember being a lot less stressed because I was hanging out with my friends and doing things at my church and and doing things with band and just, you know, enjoying my time as a senior. And I just remember when I was applying to KSU and even like the entire time, like I was at KSU, my parents were pressuring me like, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing this? Like, why aren't you doing community service jobs? Why aren't you applying for all these other scholarships for all these other things? And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, well, why are you telling me to do this? And my parents were like, whoa, well, if you do this, like you'll get more scholarship money because your aunt said so-and-so, like if you'll get more. You're building your resume is really what the end goal was to do all of that is to make yourself stand out compared to other kids. I just felt really pressured because my parents were like, well, you know, so-and-so got this scholarship for this and -and so-and-so got this scholarship for that. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, I'm not them. Mm -hmm. I'm not them. And I feel like I've always been kind of compared to my cousin because she is a musician, not saying anything bad against her, but I always felt compared because like I was always getting this like information from my parents, from my relatives on that side, telling me where I should go to school, what I should do when I apply, what like, and everything like that. And I was sitting there, I'm like, that's really helpful. But the thing is, is like, I'm not this person, not exactly classical focus, but jazz focus is what they were doing. And it's different. Like when you're a jazz vocalist, she's not only just doing vocal lessons, she's doing piano lessons, you know? And when Mm -hmm. piano lessons, you make a lot of money out of that. I know people that just teach piano lessons and they make bank. Mm -hmm. That's not exactly the same for flute. And I can't play piano well. I don't want to invest the time right now into it because I don't have the time. I'm focused on other things and I'd rather do that. And so being told, like, why don't you do this? It's just like, well, I'm not good at that. I'm not good at piano like they are, (laughs) you know? And, like, that's their thing. And it just, I don't know. It used to piss me off because I always felt like, and I still feel this way today, I always felt like what I was doing was a disappointment because I went to a certain school, and not like my cousin, I'm not that good enough of a musician. You know what I mean? Because I work as a barista after, like, after I graduated from my master's instead of like being a full freelance musician like my cousin getting all these gigs and stuff like that I felt like I was a disappointment it really has affected me in a way and I've always felt really shitty in my life because of that so well I think it's only gotten worse because I remember this was bad when we were kids the perfectionism doing everything to make yourself stand out to a ridiculous Why are you like this? Chill. (laughs) Just to a ridiculous extent, but it's only gotten worse. Because I keep in touch with 
kids because I work with kids and it's just what they have to go through is insane. And I understand taking harder classes to challenge yourself. I understand getting a job because you need the money or your parents think it's going to help you build character or whatever. But doing all these things just to make yourself stick out compared to other kids so that way you get into a better college or get a better job or whatever, it's just super excessive. I mean, standardized testing in schools basically goes from the middle of March in Georgia to the end of May. That's a month and a half of lost time. Not to mention the other random weeks of testing that they have during the school year or what they have in oh, December. Yeah. I don't remember ever encountering that because I've been seeing a lot of that happening in Colorado too. Like random standardized tests. They're random. I'll show up to a sectional and the teacher will be like, okay, so like half the class is not going to be here today because they had a random standardized test. Why the half the class, you know? Isn't this the same grade? It makes no sense to me. I don't know why. (laughs) I just, I don't remember doing that. It just judges every school based on the same standard is the whole point behind standardized testing. But I don't understand why we need so much of it. And I I feel like it's just more. We did not have this much. I mean, I'm only 28. We didn't have this much standardized testing 10 years ago. And I feel like when I was a kid, I remember my parents complaining about how much standardized testing that we had. So I imagine when they were kids, it was even less. I mean, you probably had less... Because you're old. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> when you were a kid. The... If you remember that long ago. It was so long ago. <laughs> I have a clear memory of me being at, like, really young in elementary school doing standardized testing. And I just remember it was the worst time ever. And I remember I would basically, like, fall asleep. I have elementary <laughs> school students who I teach privately. And they come to lessons after... They have standardized testing at their schools, and they literally can't focus during a 30-minute lesson because they're tested out of their minds. And these are kids that are 8, 9, 10. Why are we doing this to kids that are that young? It just seems overkill. I don't know. I feel like I could rant about standardized testing forever. (laughs) It's stupid. But we should probably take a step away from that and go to Chapter 3, or Life Back 3, Step Away From Your Desk. It's hard to. You see what I did there? Step away. Step away. Step away. The whole premise of this one being you just work the hours that you're required to work and don't do any more. Like, no overtime, no responding to people off work hours. Yeah. Did she mention somewhere that she was, like, working hours and was getting unpaid for those overworking hours or whatnot? I was... I think it's more for people who are on like a salaried position yeah yeah they're going to get paid the same amount regardless of how much okay time they work gotcha Uh, no that's what i was wondering because i i mean i'm Mm -hmm. not i don't work at a corporate job and honestly i don't ever want to so Um, i used to work at a place that highly encouraged its salaried employees to work more than just the 40 hours a week they saw that as like the absolute minimum you're just doing enough to get by and if you really care and if you really want to be basically what she says in here if you want to be a good person and a good employee then you should work more than 40 hours because 40 hours isn't enough to make our profit margins or whatever the fuck it is that they were going on about yeah 
It's ridiculous. I myself, I don't work any kind of salary position. David does. I'm actually happy that he works a salary position because before he was working hourly and with me being freelance and him being hourly, even if it was, you know, semi full time to full time, there was not really much stability because that was kind of our, I guess, relationship agreement is, you know, he would provide the stability and I could do musician stuff. Even though I make a lot doing musician stuff, but you know, sometimes I make a killing because it's wedding season, because it's clinching season, and other times it's like, you know, the summer and my income cuts in half because there's not really that much going on during the summer, for example. So in that regard, for a sense of stability, a, a salaried position is great because you are guaranteed that amount at the minimum. But the problem is like most salaried positions do expect you to kind of put in a little bit of extra work which I don't really feel like should be a thing or you should be paid overtime and most salary positions aren't. Yeah, I've always been a big proponent of do what you're supposed to do and don't feel like you have to, you know, people call it going the extra mile like you're, like it's some virtuous thing to work 50 hours when you're only supposed to work 40. Yeah. It's like, screw that. But the thing is, like you can do the same amount of work in that same amount of time if you work Properly. Parkinson's law, yeah. Squeeze, you know, the work expands to fit the time. Yeah. And the opposite of that is true, you know. So it's like, yeah, if you're adding, you know, 10 extra hours, 20 extra hours a week. But, you know, you're losing your evenings or your weekends. It's kind of, I don't know, I feel like to me, I'm like, uh, personally, I feel like I am worth more than that. Didn't she say that if you get a pay raise, it's usually... Like no more than six to ten percent of what you actually make. Something like that. So it's like I don't know. Is it is it, is worth, it worth the it? extra few hundred dollars to lose your evenings? Not in my mind. I'm like if I'm working, I expect to be paid for it. Like I'm not gonna. Mm-hmm. When I am on the clock, I don't know. I guess it's hard speaking as a person who doesn't have a salary position. I will say this. My wife. She has been in her job for my what? My wife. <laughs> uh, six years now. Lawrence she, She's in a rare position. I'm pretty sure she has not worked. How would I even phrase it? She has worked more than 40 hours a week. Pretty much every single week that she has been at this job, with very, very few exceptions. She's a workhorse. She is a workhorse. Dang, she's just slaying it. She Literally. is in a rare position, though, in that, A, she legitimately loves her job. So it doesn't, oftentimes, doesn't feel like work to her. Like, she wants to do it. Also, she works for a great company with a great boss who has very generously compensated her has recognized her going above and beyond and has compensated her accordingly. But not a lot of people are in that position. A lot of CEOs and bosses expect you to go the extra mile and that just sort of becomes default mode. They don't think that you should be rewarded for going above and beyond because in their mind, above and beyond is just like normal. Yeah, or above and beyond Mm -hmm. means at some point you're going to get promoted. Yeah. Which is like, okay, maybe you will, but... At what point does it make up for lost hours? David is a salaried employee and he gets paid to work from 8 to 5.30 Monday through Friday. Sometimes he does a little overtime 
some evenings if I'm teaching late or on Saturday mornings when I teach. His position, though, he... Oh, no, it's okay. I don't want to be rude. I'll wait till you're done. Are you good? She looks so She's sad. good until you start talking again. For real. He's a recruiter, though. So, on top of his salary, he gets a certain... I guess hiring bonus for people that are hired. So if he is able to hire someone in the time that he's working overtime, I guess he sees that as like his overtime incentive. So in that position, I I kind of get it, but I'm still like, babe, you shouldn't be working for free. What are you doing? From a musician standpoint, I think this would kind of include like doing free gigs. What really sucks is when we're in school, like we want to get gigs, you know what I mean? And sometimes it's easy to be desperate for those gigs to like, you know, put your name out. I have definitely been one of those people that have taken free gigs before, even when I was out of school and I 1000% don't recommend it whatsoever. So when I, I was part of an orchestra here and I was playing for free, I wanted to be part of the orchestra when I first auditioned because I wanted to build up experience for myself with rep. And I was in school when I first joined the orchestra. I decided to continue when I was done when I did that first year off of school, playing in this orchestra, I noticed that I was not just rehearsing, but I was spending more time in the practice room on that music for what? I was not getting paid, and I felt like I should have been getting paid because I was working my ass off. And then even when I subbed in for like the principal flute sometimes, I wasn't getting paid for rehearsals when I was finding out that people that were subbing in for rehearsals were getting paid. And it really pissed me off because, like, I have subbed in before with this orchestra and never gotten paid, except maybe once for a concert. Not, like, a rehearsal, but I was going to other orchestras, like, in the city, and I would get paid if I, like, subbed in for a rehearsal, which I thought was, like, awesome. But I wasn't getting paid in the orchestra that I was in, and I was like, well, maybe it's because I'm a member, and that was part of it. Before even COVID started, I just realized I was practicing more of that music for this group, not getting paid, getting angry that I wasn't getting paid, but spending a lot of my time in this group. And then finally this year, after like coming up to them and saying I would like to be paid and them saying that they couldn't, I just said, I need to take a step back because yeah. I knew that with everything else that I'm doing now, cause like beforehand I wasn't podcasting before the pandemic, but with this, this has added a big chunk of time. And so I'm like, okay, like I'd rather be doing this than playing music for a group where I'm not getting paid for the time that I'm spending on this music. You know what I mean? Same with like teaching and stuff. I'm spending more time on things that I think are more valuable and that I'm getting things out of it versus a free community group where I'm probably not getting anything out of it as much, you know? And I feel like the difference with podcasting is even though right now we don't make very much doing it, the goal, you know, down the road is to make mm -hmm. more and this is our business. So yeah. it's like, this is something that we are choosing to do versus exactly. doing someone else's work and not being reimbursed for it. Yeah. yeah I, I just want to say this, this was the comment that really kind of got me. I was told by them that they valued me, but they weren't going to pay me. And that really just kind of hmm. hit me. So did they value you? <laughs> I experienced this exact thing with my band when we first started playing gigs. Mm -hmm. We would all the time have people come up 
wanting us to play shows for them and they didn't want to pay us they just wanted to just to be like oh it'll be great exposure for you because there'll be so many people there mm -hmm. and they'll see you and maybe other people want to hire you and actually pay you and yeah we were young and dumb and we were like okay yeah sure and we played a bunch of really free gigs and we finally got wise and like okay these people are actually just taking advantage of us and we quit doing it but I know exactly where you're coming from. I've been there, done that. Yeah. It's not fun. No. I've been asked to do free gigs, and luckily, even as a student, I never fell into that trap because I've been working since I was 15. My, I took a job at Kroger, and the reason why I did that is because my parents said that if I wanted to keep doing music stuff, I needed to work for some of it, which I did because at that point, I was getting into, you know, outside of school orchestras, like honor orchestra, all state lessons so it made sense that you know I would financially contribute to some of that and I was of working age even though I was getting paid minimum wage which was like 515 at the time I had a decent idea of what my time was worth and I never thought it made sense to do free gigs or free lessons or anything the only people I would do that for is like really close friends and family yeah. because you know they mm -hmm. donate their time and services and whatever to me so I think that's only fair but for some rando, I'm not gonna do that. Yeah. I remember in undergrad, I got asked to do a few weddings for a contractor that's severely underpaid. I know who you're talking about, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 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 and it was like $80 for a wedding gig. I mean, in all honesty- Wait, $80? $80 for a wedding gig. What? Which, a, a wedding gig is not a big deal. I mean, you might have a rehearsal, but this contractor also never had rehearsals. But it's travel to the gig. I uh, normally want to be there 30 minutes to an hour before the ceremony starts. You play the ceremonies, that's roughly 30 minutes. And then you, maybe you're playing for a cocktail hour, or maybe you go home. So, without travels, maybe, 30 minutes to 45 minutes hmm. of your time. But most of the time, like most professional wedding gigs won't pay you any less than like 180 or 200. This was something that I thought about last year was joining the union here. Cause if I you join the union, if you take a gig, it can't be under a certain amount and whatnot. There's a lot of stuff. Cause um, my friend actually, they're part of the union here, but I saw their union contract. I looked at it and I was like, I mean, this makes sense. Like. There was a lot of requirements, like, to take on certain gigs and stuff. But, yeah, I thought about it because I was like, I want to get paid a certain amount because I need to make a living here. It ain't cheap living here in Denver. It's expensive, and it's just getting worse. And I just don't want to do free things anymore, and I was just getting really frustrated. I thought about it. I didn't. I ended up not. But it's not something I'm opposed to doing. It's just, like, something that's always been on my mind. Oh, I literally won't do free gigs. I'm like, I have my master's. Like I said, unless you're someone who's really close to me, in which case I don't mind doing the work for steep discount or for free. Like, that's how I make my living. Why would I put time and energy into something that I'm not getting anything out of? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Like, I'm worth more than that. I know what I'm worth. I'm excited to read the last three chapters, but I think this section of the book, I'm excited to apply some of it to my own life. For real, Same. though. Thanks for being on with us, Rainer. 
Thanks yes, for thanks. having me again. I it's, appreciate it. It's always fun. Is there anything that you want to plug? There is. There is finally something I want to plug. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Uh, so my band, Concrete Super Gun, just released a single called Valhalla. And it slaps. It's good. Thank you. It's really you. good. Thank you. Uh, you can find it on pretty much any major streaming platform, Spotify, Apple Music. We have a video up on YouTube. Uh, just search Valhalla by Concrete Supergun. And then you can follow us on the Insta. Is that the kids saying it these days? The Insta? Not, not the Insta. IG. Just Insta. Just Insta? I, yeah. Sorry. Insta. Insta. <laughs> um, you got it. At Concrete Supergun. And that's it. Cool. Dope. I'm glad that you finally have something that you can <laughs> yeah. plug in here. Well, I told you last time. Last time I was on, I was like, I'm so close to having something promote. So, yeah. finally. <laughs> and y'all should definitely check it out. It is Definitely listen. It is it's such really... a good song. Thank you. It brings me back memories of undergrad. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> when I used to go to metal concerts. We plan on releasing one song a month for the next six months. Oh, cool. So Ooh. keep an eye out for that. Keep going back and checking, and uh, we'll have some more music up for you. Rad. Marketing strategies. <laughs> and if there's, you know, if you want to stay tuned with your favorite podcast, you can always follow us on Instagram at Fiddle and Pipe, and you can follow myself at Beam Ross Music. And I'm at Cat Flinch Flute. If uh, Instagram isn't your thing, you can find us on Facebook at Fiddle and Pipe Forum. Um, and what else do we? Patreon. Patreon.com slash fiddle and pipe. If you are interested in joining Patreon, we have a $2 a month and a $5 a month tier. Those proceeds for this month of March will go towards the Red Cross, the International Committee of the Red Cross. To support humanitarian efforts in the ongoing Ukraine crisis. If you enjoy the podcast, please rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Music. Next week, we will be discussing the last three chapters of this book, so you don't want to miss it. So... Yeah, last episode. So, yeah. And then we'll be going on to a new book, and we'll announce that soon, so stay tuned. Very soon. All right, well, we'll see you all next week. Bye. 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 Later. Bye. 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 Bye.